0: Every time a gun-free zone is turned into a shooting gallery, we get another crying jag from the Democrats and even some covenant-breaking Republicans for more red flag laws. Are red flag laws effective? How do they work? Or is it just simply government overreach? Also what other issues seem to be common denominators in mass shootings? We're going to answer those questions and more. And our two-way for today, Modern militiaman Spotlight is on an armed 68-year-old retired wrestling legend who on the heels of surviving prostate cancer, grabbed his 44, laid the smack down, and made a home invader tap out. Welcome to 2A for today. 2 Way for Today is a program where we explore all things Second Amendment. All things that protect, threaten, and violate the God-given and Second Amendment rights of all Americans. My name is Zoe, and I'm the host of 2A for Today. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At The New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. The truth is hard to find, but The New American has it. Check it out at thenewamerican.com. Let's talk about red flag laws. Criminals shouldn't be armed, and it probably sounds good to a lot of folks when lawmakers call for the mentally ill to be prevented from owning and using firearms. But as we know, lawmakers, especially those that support gun control measures, are excellent at tugging at the heartstrings of Americans while pulling the wool over their eyes on the real issues. Here's some food for thought. What if most of the American public is declared mentally ill? Will we disarm the entire country? With the increasingly high number of people being diagnosed with mental illnesses like ADHD and bipolar disorder, certain experts from several industries that we at 2A for Today have spoken with are not in agreement. That all these people should be denied their God-given right to keep and bear arms. Now there's a clear pattern that we've all seen over the years where, after a mass shooting incident occurs, there are rampant calls from lawmakers for more funding for mental health and gun control legislation. But is it really working? Why, for example, are we calling for schools to implement mental health programs that will ultimately result in more children diagnosed with psychiatric labels? and prescribe psychiatric drugs, when so many of these school shooters have been on psychiatric drugs at the time they committed the shootings. These red flag laws are not only a violation of our God-given liberties, but upon close examination, it appears that these laws are likely to be a waste of time and taxpayer money. First, red flag laws are largely left up to subjective interpretations, which encourage not only lack of enforcement, but abuse of the law. Second, it's another means by which agents of the uniparty crown can skirt due process like they do with conspiracy law. Crime prevention legislation is simply thought crime policing with a pre-crime penalty. And third, red flag legislation that's already in place is utilized so little and it's very unclear whether these laws are even effective. The recent club queue shooting in Colorado is the most recent mass incident hastening lawmakers to push for more red flag laws. In 19 states and DC, Red flag laws allow a person's family member, co-worker, friend, police officer, or another person close to them to petition courts to remove firearms from that person's home if they believe they are at risk or significant risk of harming themselves or others. And in some cases, even preventing them from buying other firearms for up to a year. These firearms are then temporarily removed from the identified threat before any hearings even take place on many occasions. Earlier this year, the House passed a red flag law bill. Praise be to God that the bill is stalled in the Senate. A recent study from the Associated Press found that even in many of the 19 states that currently have red flag laws in place, these laws are rarely used. According to the crime report, Chicago had 8,500 shootings, which led to 1,800 deaths since 2020. But red flag laws, have only been used four times in Chicago. The Guardian Media and their patricians hue and cry about the high level of support these red flag laws get from American citizens. Listen, we don't want dangerous and unstable people hurting themselves or others. But legislators pushing gun control just grows government and it tramples the liberty of the law abiding and then they enact unimpeachable monoliths as programs and agencies that pick our pockets, trespass our rights, but don't ever dig down to the root of the problem. A recent study from the Crime Prevention Research Center found that the supposed high support for these red flag laws is likely due to the public's lack of knowledge about how they work. When survey respondents were informed of the lack of due process in most red flag cases, strong support of these laws came down from 34% to 14%. Even the ACLU of Rhode Island spoke out against red flag laws back in 2018, raising concerns about the impact these laws would have on civil liberties. Like many of these gun control bills signed recently, there's a very vague significant risk or significant danger standard in these red flag laws used to determine whether to confiscate a firearm. It reminds me of the reasonable controls clause and gun control bill AB 1594 that Gavin Newsom recently signed in California and the good moral character clause that's included in New York's CCIA gun control legislation signed by Governor Kathy Hochul. Such amorphous terms are not narrow enough, and they put innocent individuals at risk of losing their rights, and maybe their lives. In some states, respondents are not even guaranteed representation in court, since these are civil and not criminal matters. The Club Q shooting is being used to call for more red flag laws, but it's not even clear that these laws could have prevented the shooting. Even if they were followed to the letter, it's likely this law would have been expired months before the attack. The Buffalo shooter, Peyton Gendron, was taken to a hospital for an evaluation less than a year before the attack for making a very concerning remark at his high school. Jesse McKinley at the New York Times spoke to officers familiar with the case who said that Gendron was responding to a question for a class project about his post-graduation plans. Mr. Gendron said his involved a murder-suicide. But Mr. Gendron described the remark as a joke, and after the evaluation, which lasted about a day and a half, he was released. That account was confirmed by Special Agent Steven Bolongia of the FBI, who said that Mr. Gindrum was not on the radar of federal authorities. John Feinblatt, president of the gun control advocacy group Everytown for Gun Safety, says this failure of authorities that occurred with the Buffalo shooting is more reason to tighten red flag laws even more. Passing laws is half the equation, and implementing them is the other half. What we've seen in too many instances, like in Buffalo, New York and Highland Park, Illinois, is that there were clear signs that a red flag law could have been used and prevented tragedy. The costs are too high to not focus on implementation. Even the free state of Florida fails in this regard. They passed a red flag law in 2018, and now they're looking to expand the number of people who can petition a court to remove firearms from someone reported to be dangerous. Governor Kathy Hochul just directed over $4 million towards efforts to help implement red flag laws in New York. Aside from just the gun industry, What do other industry experts think of this potential violation of Second and Fourth Amendment rights that come with these red flag laws? Sheila Matthews is co-owner of Able Child, a national parents' rights organization which is dedicated to protecting full informed consent and the right to refuse psychiatric services. Matthews says these red flag laws are a red herring, are a distraction from the real concerns that need to be addressed, since they're a common denominator in many of these mass shootings. What is that? Psychiatric drugs. Many of these school shooters were taking psychiatric drugs at the time the crime was committed. The 2005 Red Lake, Minnesota school shooter was taking Prozac at the time of that one. Able Child submitted a written request to the U.S. Attorney for the District of Minnesota, as well as the FDA, requesting a full investigation into the event. In 1999, one of the Columbine shooters, Eric Harris, was taking the antidepressant Luvox. Fast forward to the Las Vegas concert shooting in 2017, with the autopsy found that shooter Steven Paddock had anti-anxiety medication in his urine. Pharmaceutical companies and the mental health industry take zero responsibility for the leak between psychiatric drugs and mass shootings. After Sandy Hook, New York passed the Secure Ammunition and Firearms Enforcement Act, the New York SAFE Act. Ablechild's other co-founder, Patricia Weathers, testified against certain mental health provisions she believed to be subjective, stating, We believe that the issue of gun control is diverting this country away from the very real underlying cause of these violent shootings occurring in our nation's schools. The New York SAFE Act passed without any public hearings and included a provision similar to red flag laws that allow mental health professionals to report to the government on whether a patient could potentially turn violent in the future. The scary thing is, these red flag laws are getting bipartisan support, like the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. It's just another shovel digging the grave of American liberty under the pretense of providing security. And our two way for today modern militiaman spotlight is on a former pro wrestler who just survived prostate cancer and was not about to let a home invader tap him out. We have no idea why a 20 something year old man would choose to break into the home of a pro wrestling Hall of Famer. (laughs) But when he entered through the front door, 68-year-old hacksaw Jim Duggan showed he hasn't weakened from age or illness. So I'm sitting there watching TV, all of a sudden a pounding on the door. I jump up, as I get to the door, the doors burst open. This guy falls in because there's a step to get into my house. He falls in I switch back to the old time days. I'm like ah! Because he quickly put the young man on the ropes, pinned him to the ground, pulled out his 44 caliber pistol and neutralized the intruder. Mr. Hacksaw heard people shuffling outside of his home, so he shut off his Christmas lights and commanded the frightened little piss ant to remain silent until the authorities arrived. So I had my wife turn off all the Christmas lights, you know, where I'm backlit, I'm holding them down, I got my gun. I said, Nobody knows we're up here, just be quiet. And my wife, God bless, she's on the phone with 911, almost in hysterics. Her blood pressure was way up. And she said, send the fire department, send the ambulance, send everybody. So all the Kershaw County Sheriff's Department, they were great, they responded. But I tell you what, Tucker, as quick as it happened, it wasn't quick enough. People aren't happy to see a cop until you need one, buddy. Mr. Hacksaw chose not to press charges, but next time, let's hope that he gets the cameras rolling and charges admission. <laughs> it would have been great to see one of my childhood favorites in action yet again. Once again, Barclay will He on One, two, three. That concludes our program for today. But again, in the coming weeks and months, 2A for today, we'll be talking to experts, scholars, trainers, and all forms of gun rights activists and Second Amendment proponents to answer the many questions that we all have and unpack the various laws and trespasses of our rights that have already been enacted and those that are on the horizon. Again, if your right to keep and bear arms is important to you, make sure to subscribe to the New American Magazine and get on the top daily headlines mailing list so that you get an email alert anytime we upload a video or stream a live event and share these videos with your family and friends who feel the same. Are those that are riding the fence between liberty and tyranny who need a little more convincing. You've been watching 2A for today. My name is Zoe. Post your comments or questions and we'll try to address as many as we can in the coming weeks and months. Thank you for watching 2A for today.